0: Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view beginning April 20th. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Catherine Pierce, and I'm the Poet Laureate for the State of Mississippi. Welcome to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, a podcast where poetry comes alive for listeners. Across the country and world, poets are writing right now and creating vibrant, important poems that enlighten, entertain, challenge, and comfort. Some of these incredible poets have roots right here in Mississippi. Each episode of the Mississippi Poetry Podcast will feature a different poet with Mississippi connections. We'll hear a poem, learn about how it was written, and chat a bit about poetry and beyond. I'm so excited to welcome Anne Fisherworth to the podcast today. Anne Fisherworth's seventh book of poems, Paradise is Jagged, has just been published by Terrapin Books. Her sixth is The Bones of Winter Birds, and her fifth, a poetry-photography collaboration with Maud Schuyler-Clay, is Mississippi. With Laura Gray Street, Anne co-edited the Eco-Poetry Anthology, A senior fellow of the Black Earth Institute, she received the 2023 Governor's Award for Excellence in Poetry from the Mississippi Arts Commission. Professor Emerita of English at the University of Mississippi, she also directed the program in environmental studies. Anne, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for talking about poetry with me today. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, before we get to the poetry, let me throw a non poetry question at you so we can get to know you a little bit better. You have lived in a lot of different places. I know that you've lived in, I have my list here, in Washington, D.C., Germany, Pennsylvania, Japan, California, Belgium, Virginia, Mississippi, Switzerland, and Sweden. And I'm sure you travel to a lot of other places as you've lived in those different places. So, My question for you is, if you have the opportunity to travel to a country that you have never been to before, having, I think, been to a lot of countries, what would that country be? What's a place that you would like to go to that you haven't been to yet?
1: Oh, my goodness. See, one thing is, I would love to go again to a bunch of places I've been to. But if I were going to add a brand new place, maybe Portugal, I've heard amazing things about Portugal. It seems very beautiful. My sister and her husband were there some years ago. They had a wonderful time. Um, I'm also interested perhaps in um, Vietnam and Guatemala. Those are two places that I can think of. But again, I'd just love to go again to, you know, like Switzerland or um, I'll be going to Sweden again soon. Um, I just I just love to travel. I'm pretty easy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I, I would love to get to all of those places. I haven't been to any of them. So, I mean, I've been to some on your list, but I have not been to Switzerland or Sweden or Portugal or lots of places that I would really like to go to. So, all right. Well, hopefully we'll both be traveling a lot more soon. So what are you going to be reading for us today? Do you want to kind of set up that
1: poem a little bit and then share it with us? Sure. So I'm going to read a short poem called Childhood. And this is in my new book, Paradise is Jagged. Um, And I'll read it, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. Childhood. How soft were her hands, stroking our hair as she sang to us, my little sister and me, lullabies that curved through the silvery trees. Our father was somewhere called Korea. He wrote to us that children in crimson overalls ran after him for American candy. Now I know that suffering sows the earth with salt. But then I only wondered how the birds slept, feathers puffed out around them in the darkness, what frogs said with their burbling throats, where the mysterious rivers ran. Thank you. So my dad was career army. And uh, He had spent World War II in the South Pacific. And then he came back, married my mother, and I came along. And then when I was little, he was sent to Korea and he was gone for a couple of years. From the ages, I was maybe five when he left and eight when I saw him again, something like that. And of course, when your parent is gone for that long in a place and you know that there's a war, but you don't know a thing about war, you don't know anything about what it would be like to be there, And the Korean War anyway was um, sort of a mysterious war for many Americans, you know? So I knew these little things and he would write letters to my sister and me, but he would write to my mother too. And I knew that there's this beautiful sort of red, uh, reddish purple color that looks so beautiful on um, Korean and Japanese children. And they wear it often. So I imagined That, um, you know, and he would write about seeing these kids and he would write about how cute and adorable these children were. Um, But I didn't know anything about what his life was really like. I didn't know anything about the Korean War. And so um, that was going on in one half of my life. And then on the other half of my life, my mother was, if you could have a perfect mother for little kids, that would be my mother. She was so affectionate, so loving. And she had these beautiful hands with these beautiful fingernails, and she would rub our backs or pat our hair. And she had a pretty singing voice. It wasn't a great singing voice, but you know, she would sing to us and, you know, when you're little, you just love that kind of attention from your mother. So, on the one hand, I lived in this incredibly safe, love-filled cocoon when I was little. And then on the other hand, there were these things happening in the world that I only had the dimmest sense about. So that's sort of what I'm getting at there in that poem. Now I know that suffering sows the earth with salt, you know, and that is true. And children sooner or later always learn that, but not when they're little, we hope. Right. I think one thing that I love about that
0: poem is the way that it really does capture both the the beauty and the sort of confusing, frighteningness of childhood. Um, there's something, I mean, as you say, there's this beautiful safety, this comfort in that poem that comes through so clearly. And then it's against the backdrop of something much bigger and more mysterious that the the child doesn't fully understand, can't quite put her finger on, but knows enough or senses enough to be kind of unsettled by it and to know there's something mysterious and troubling happening even as this really sort of comforting life is is happening at home for her and i just i love that poem and i love the contrast there of the way you've got those two things working together
1: there's such a contrast between on the one hand the little kids in korea running after the soldiers to get candy you know in a war torn land and then on the other hand the sort of shelter and safety of the kids in the United States at that point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing how much that poem accomplishes in a short space. It's not a long poem, but it's it's taking on these really big topics, which is of course what some of the best poetry does, takes on big, big material and manages to kind of distill it down to something really pure and sharp. So thank you for sharing that poem. I love that poem. Um could you give a bit of advice? So you you are a poet. You are a, you, you've you've taught at University of Mississippi for many years. You've worked with poets, you know, kind of across the country. So what's a bit of advice that you would give to poets who are starting out, people who want to kind of try their hand at writing poems, or to people who are already writing poems, but want to kind of find a new way into it or do more of it or strengthen the work they're already doing?
1: Well, one thing is read read other poets and read poets from previous centuries and other countries, as well as poets who already kind of sound like you, you know, poets who share your generation. I mean, poets who share your generation are wonderful and you can learn a lot from them. But one thing I've always been glad about is that I had a great education in poetry through the ages because I was a a literature major rather than just a creative writing major, you know? Um, And another thing is be patient with yourself learn to love to revise, learn to love to cut. I love to cut. Learn to be patient with yourself through the fallow periods, through the periods when, you know, just anything that you write is bad and you know it's bad looking at it later. Um, And one thing I always say to my students is realize that the poem is not you. So you wrote it and it comes from you and you care a lot about it. But it's not you. If it fails, that doesn't mean you fail. It means that you've made something that didn't work out this time, just like making a cake that fell, you know, or making a pie that you dropped on the floor, you know. Um, And if you're reading it to other people, read it and pretend that you didn't write it so that you can, in a sense, perform it without having all your own dread and anxiety get in the way which i know about very well um but i think the biggest thing and i mean you often read other poets say this too is read read widely read voraciously read all kinds of stuff and then another great piece of advice that somebody once gave our mutual friend beth ann um and it wasn't given about her but it was given to her um as an anecdote there's a poet who had a student say to him i Everything I write is so boring. What can I do? And he said, live a more interesting life, you know? And I mean, that's absolutely true. It's like, get out there, do stuff, have adventures. That's one thing I love about traveling is it refreshes your senses. You see everything anew. You taste and smell and see and hear differently, you know? So whatever it takes, just expand your horizons. Be curious. Don't ever stop being curious and be curious about all kinds of weird stuff.
0: You're right. It's, it's all about staying curious. The more interested you are in the world, the more interesting the world becomes. And I think too, I, I really love what you were talking about with the, be patient with yourself through the fallow periods. That's something that I think about a lot with my own writing. And I talk to my own students about that. Sometimes we do have fallow periods, those periods where we're just not maybe getting a lot of writing done. And that could be because our brains aren't really doing it for us right then, or it could just be because we're really busy with other work that we have to be doing other obligations that we have, but that's okay because the, as long as your brain kind of stays engaged with poetry, it'll come back. You'll be able to do it again and you'll be able to put into your poems, some of what you discovered or experienced during the fallow period. So that time counts too. I think that when I was younger, I was often... I heard the advice a lot that you have to write every day. If you don't write every day, you're not a writer. And that always bothered me because I I didn't write every day. It wasn't the way that I worked. It is the way that a lot of writers work, and that's great, but everybody works their own way. And so it's as I got older, it was really important for me to be Able to say to other people, no,
1: you don't have to write every day if that's not, yeah. if that's not yeah. your process. And I think the other thing is, too, um, this is something that William Carlos Williams said the joy is in pursuit, which means you really get the pleasure out of living the kind of life where you're engaged with that process much more than with even the end results or the acclaim or whatever. Those are great, too. Um, and then my other piece of advice is if you're going to be serious about it, learn to get rejected you know?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: it happens. <laughs> yes, definitely. Rejection yeah. is very yeah. important. It yes, it happen. happens a lot. It does happen. <laughs> so have other things in your life that bolster you, that give you support, that reaffirm you, you know? Yes.
0: Yes. And, and understand that rejection is not a referendum on you as a writer. It's nothing personal. It's just how the world goes and that's okay. You just keep going and you keep doing the work. So Yeah, well, thank you, Anne. And finally, where could we find more of your work if people want to read more of your poems?
1: Well, the book Mississippi is available through, what is it called? Small Press, whatever. That particular press, Wings Press, went out of business, but it's still available through that distribution. Both The Bones of Winter Birds and Paradise is Jagged are available from Terrapin Books, and they have a bookstore Um, They're also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and through your own favorite local bookstore.
0: Yeah, And we have a lot of those in Mississippi that are wonderful. So shout out to them as always. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Anne Fisherworth, for coming on the podcast today to talk with me about travel and fallow periods and poems and for sharing your fantastic advice. And thank you all for listening to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, where poetry comes alive.